and he lifts one to left field. It is deep, it is high, and it is gone. A walk-off home run for Joe Gray Jr. afternoon good evening good night whatever time it is you are listening to this podcast welcome to the Graham slam podcast i'm your host brandon anderson and this is episode 22 on january 22nd 2022 a lot of 22s in this episode and this was all just a weird coincidence did not plan this out but did went ahead and um Mention this episode today. The main topic is the Vibes 2021 season in review, and what a topic I have recorded for you today. Man, it gets controversial in this uh, in this uh, segment. There's a lot of feelings I address with the 2021 season, and a lot of things that I think need to be improved for the 2022 season this upcoming. Uh, summer or spring or whatnot, but I do want to announce there is some breaking news that came to us Wednesday morning. It is official coming out of Montana. We have a new baseball team in the Pioneer League. The Ridge Run Baseball Club has finally made their identity known, and they are the Glacier Range Riders. Inspired by early 20th century outdoorsmen patrolling the 1.3 million acres that is now Glacier National Park, the name Ranger Rider has a deep regional root, and they will be coming from Flathead Field, which is a newly constructed sports and entertainment destination sitting atop a knoll alongside Highway 93. The amphitheater-style stadium offers a 360-degree view of the scenic Flathead Valley with approximately currently 2,500 fixed seats. Now, I don't know exactly what that entails, what their plan is for extra seating, um, but, I mean, that is pretty low for the Pioneer League. I don't know if that's mainly what they're going for for attendance, um, obviously with the vibes, I think we're over about seven or 8,000 for seating capacity and maybe even more with the, uh, lawn seats that they have for bark in the park and use for overflow. But we welcome the range riders, which their logo is a goat, um, wearing like a kind of a park ranger outfit and then they have an alternate logo with a bear in a car. Not quite sure what that's about. Um, and then, of course, their color scheme looks to be red and green. Very Christmas color-ish. Um, it'll be interesting to see what their uh, jerseys and hats and everything essentially look like. But again, welcome to the Pioneer League, the official new team for Montana, the Glacier Range Riders. And that is, of course, if you've been following along on the podcast or this is your first time, this is the one of two teams that are being added to the Pioneer League this year. The other one is 
a returning team that used to play in Orem. Uh, they were the Owls. They have moved to Colorado and are now called the NoCo Owls, Northern Colorado Owls. They will be joining the South Division with the Rocky Mountain Vibes. And then, of course, the Glacier Range Riders will be in the North Division, joining the uh, two, 2021 Pioneer League champions, the Missoula Paddleheads. Look forward to all this action kicking off here in Colorado Springs. We will see the debut of the Glacier Rage Riders for opening night on May 23rd. Get ready, fans, because this is going to be quite exciting to see the, the first look of a brand-new baseball club in the Pioneer League. Again, that'll all go down on May 23rd as the first pitch is thrown here in Colorado Springs for the Rocky Mountain Vibes season. But... There's another news story that I want to go ahead and talk about, um, and that is this past Monday night on the Manning cast. If you are aware of NFL football, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning host a alternate version of the Monday night football broadcast. This was the first wild card weekend playoff Monday night football game against the Arizona Cardinals versus this um almost said St. Louis Rams, the L.A. Rams. And sure enough, the one and other Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, a.k.a., uh, was on there with the Manning cast. And sure enough, it did not take long before Peyton Manning, of all players, to ask Dwayne Johnson about the XFL. Um, we got a little insight of how his passion for football and uh, his overall outlook on life when he was uh, younger to become a, a football player, which was cut short due to injury. Um, he is looking to potentially grow the XFL, as we know, into a massive football uh, organization. And he did announce during this uh, simulcast on Monday Night Football that there will be announcements within the next two to three weeks when this episode airs, that will be exactly a week or two uh, until the announcement. So we look forward to that. That'll all be coming shortly on the XFL um, lineup that I have planned after the Vibes 2022 season preview that is airing next week. I will get into three full episodes of the XFL and um, an outlook at the 2022-2023 season um, that will begin. So let's go ahead and get into the Entertainment 10 segment of the week, which is, again, I'm giving the warning now, is a spoiler review of Scream, the new Scream movie. Um, it's technically Scream 5, but it is not uh, entitled that. I spoke last week about a quick review of the movie, um, but I want to go ahead on this episode and give you a full week after seeing it review and really kind of like point out some things I, I thought about the movie and give you my true honest opinion uh, with spoilers and then give you a rating at the end of what I thought. I still plan on seeing potentially this movie again in theaters before it is out uh, just to kind of get a real overall view of the movie to see if I missed anything but let's go ahead and dive into the entertainment 10 uh, segment here 
Uh, this possibly could be a little bit longer than 10 minutes, but we will see on time. So the movie itself, again, I'm going to give you a five-second warning. This is a spoiler review of Scream 5. If you have not seen the movie, this may not be for you. Uh, but if you're looking to, uh, you've watched the movie and looking for some honest opinions of it, uh, you are in the right place. So let's go ahead and talk about that. So the Scream franchise has returned, and it did not, like I was saying last week, did not disappoint one bit. Um, the movie itself started out with a uh, younger girl in her house named uh, Tara, who essentially was on her cell phone texting her friend Amber about coming over to hang out. And her friend's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then she's like, I have an unlocked liquor cabinet. Um, it appears later in the movie that we find out that her mother is overseas uh, during a business trip. And essentially her friend Amber agrees to come over. Shortly after that conversation, which is seen over text message, her landline, um, for any younger folks that may not know what a landline is, let me fill you in there. It is a phone that is connected directly to your wall uh, with cables that run into your house, kind of like a cable box, but it is a phone line. I know some people have no idea what a landline is, but it was definitely a very much paying homage to the original Scream and the opening scene to Scream. This had very much vibes of that, uh, but kind of went off with a little twist we were not expecting. So we essentially see, at that point, the landline ring, and she answers the phone, and it sounds like just a normal normal guy on the other end, and he mentions that he is uh, Tara's uh, mother's boyfriend or maybe boyfriend and he, he comments he shouldn't be telling her this but he is part of a group she goes to which appears to be like an alcohol anonymous group or drug abuse group or whatnot and says that he is her boyfriend um, she didn't he didn't want to tell her this way but kind of introduces himself and then kind of the voice a little bit changes to kind of sound like the Ghostface Killer um, voice. And then, of course, we get into the famous quote of what's your favorite scary movie. Tara, at this point, then discusses her favorite movies are not your typical cult classic movies, more some independent horror films. And then um, he then quizzes her, or she, um, as you'll find out in the uh, spoilers at the end, there are two killers in this movie, one a female, one a male, but I'll get to that at the end of the segment. Um, but essentially, this is where it leads to uh, her essentially trying to lock her door, and it's all automated, so it's like one of those automated uh, systems, uh, security systems or whatnot, and she keeps pushing it, it keeps unlocking, so someone's obviously hacking into her system or cloned her cell phone per se and sure enough the ghostface killer appears stabs her right in the abdomen and she tries to close the door she fights off trying to fight fight him off and then at that point they get in pretty brutal attack on Tara and then we go to like the opening like a uh, scream title and everything like that where we think Tara is dead. It looked pretty brutal to me that she was dead. And this really uh, 
gave a little um, backstory to like, not necessary backstory, but more of a uh, homage, paying homage again to the first one for uh, Wes Craven, who died in 2015, with his thriller um, with Casey Becker, who was killed in the first opening scene, played by Drew Barrymore in the original Scream from uh, 25 years ago. So the story itself, um, we then see, goes to a bowling alley with a, uh, looks to be a little older female uh, that is then revealed as Tara's sister, uh, Sam, and then her co-worker, um, Richie, who turns out to be her boyfriend, and they're talking, and she gets a phone call about her sister, and her sister, the way it's being even, like, kind of said, and her emotions seem like her sister died, which we all expected, but then she re- she states that her sister's still alive in the hospital, she's got to go to Westboro, and says she's leaving right now, her, uh, what then appears to be is her boyfriend, uh, Richie, begs her to go, tells her she he loves her, so she, he is joining along with her. Um, you get some real, like, kind of killer vibes at the beginning with this guy right off the bat, so there was some, I had some speculation he could have been a killer, um, or she may even been one of the killers at that point, because she was kind of a little out there as well. Um, but we, we find the next scene is her going into the hospital, reuniting with her sister she hasn't seen in over five years. And this is where essentially we start the story of where Tara's best friends are in the hospital room as well. They're talking to um, to Tara, trying to figure out who did this. They are aware that, you know, it's these killings are coming back. And it's someone trying to basically recreate the, the the stab movie and stuff like that. That if you're unaware of the Scream uh, franchises and Scream 2, they kind of made fun a little bit of the uh, actual Scream story and made a movie within a, a movie. And, of course, in this... Uh, in this scream version, they're already up to like stab seven or some stupid stuff that's been um, essentially so far fetched at this point that it doesn't even make sense. Um, kind of like most modern horror movies that have twenty parts to them, and you start getting people in space and all this stupid stuff. Uh, but the movie itself kind of paid some way to essentially show that. Um, these teens were kind of like in the original movie where they're trying to guess who it is. Um, they're at a camp, um, after school, they have a few scenes there. Um, but essentially when, uh, Sam is in the hospital with Tara, uh, she and her boyfriend go out in the hallway. He decides to, um, stick around. She's going to go get some food. He wants her, she wants her, him to stay around. And that's when she goes into like a break room slash cafeteria area and there's apparently no one else in this area. She's sitting alone, and she has this. Uh, she's taking a pill, essentially, which looks to be like a depression pill or something. And all of a sudden, we see Billy Loomis from the first movie, who, as we all know, was the original one of the original killers in Scream One. And we then find out as the movie goes on that Sam is essentially 
uh, Sam is essentially the uh, estranged daughter of Billy Loomis who got her mother pregnant in high school probably when he was like trying to get with Sidney Prescott in the first movie. And the movie kind of follows along the trail of her and her sister. And um, shortly after the scene, we then see the introduction of uh, the original three main cast, uh, Deputy Dewey, Gail Weathers, and Sidney Prescott. Uh, Deputy Dewey is living out a trailer. He's divorced from Gail Weathers, which is kind of almost a shout-out to their real wife, um, Courtney Cox and David Arquette. They were married. They're divorced. They have a crappy relationship um, that's kind of shown in this movie, essentially. And he decides to go with, uh, with Sam and Richie to find out who is doing this. He contacts Sydney, letting her know that the killings are happening again. And then at that point, he, he tells... Uh, Gail Weathers that the killings are happening again. She does not show up till a little bit later. Um, but one of uh, Tara's friends is Wes, um, who they kind of gave a shout out to Wes Craven with the name. And he is the son of Deputy Judy Hicks, who from uh, Scream 4 was the deputy essentially that uh, took over uh, for uh, Deputy Dewey. And in this uh, movie, essentially, that's where we get a scene where uh, it's kind of a shout out to Psycho, except opposite. It's a male instead of female in Psycho in the shower scene. Uh, it's uh, it's Wes, uh, which is uh, Deputy Dewey's or Deputy Judy Hicks' son, and. She she leaves. He goes to take a shower, and she was going back to the station. She's on her way to the station, gets a phone call on her cell phone from the Ghostface killer. He basically tells her that he's at her house. He's going to kill his, her son. So she flips on her lights and sirens, flips around, goes lights and sirens to her house. Um, we keep seeing cutbacks of scenes of her son getting out of the shower, starting to get like ready for the day or dressed and that's when uh, Deputy Judy gets out of her car starts running to her front door and Ghostface Killer comes out of nowhere on the porch and brutally brutally murders her and then we see him go in the house and essentially attack her son and kill him as well so both of them are dead this then brings a lot of police presence out, and that's where Deputy Dewey shows up and kind of goes and talks to uh, the other sheriff that's in charge. And then Gail Weathers arrives um, with a news truck, hugs Deputy Dewey, and they're talking. He also lets Sydney at that point know that, or he let her know earlier. But this is then where they essentially start coming together um so deputy dewey and then go to uh a new character named mindy who is filling the role of her uncle randy who as we all remember from the first one who gave the rules of surviving a horror movie but a modern touch on it and that's where the the word comes up as a requel which isn't a reboot or a sequel um, and then kind of talks about how the Ghostface killers are out there 
or killer killers are out there connecting the past to the present. They need to find what that connection is to the past, which we all know at that point it is um, it is uh, Sam and her connection to Billy Loomis in the first movie. So the movie then introduces all the original characters and stuff uh, really back into the scene. Um, and they are essentially going back to the hospital to try to make sure that uh, Tara's okay, where we end up seeing Sam, Richie, and uh, Deputy Dewey, who leave the scene of the uh, Judy Hicks and her son being dead. They go to the hospital, and this kind of is a shout-out to all these current horror movies and some of the... Uh, I guess you want to call it a shout-out, because it seems like any movie nowadays recently with horror movies and stuff seem to always have a hospital scene where a killer shows up and then kills off the nurse the police officer or whatever is at the nurse's station lights go off power goes out and then the person the victim is the only one in the hospital that's exactly what happened here i've seen it in multiple movies lately including halloween it is annoying. It seems to be the same go-to every single time someone's in the hospital. It's kind of dumb because in re reality, that would never, ever happen. Um, but this essentially, they, they uh, Deputy Dewey, Sam, and Richie all get to the hospital. Um, they save Tara. They're getting her out of the hospital, going down the elevator or down the um, elevator from essentially like the Ghostface Killer, uh, Deputy Dewey at that point had shot Ghostface Killer and it looked like um, they were dead. So they get on the elevator. He stops the elevator from going and goes, oh, they're not dead. I've got to shoot her, shoot him in the head. So he gets out. He goes to shoot the Ghostface Killer in the head. Of course, they come back alive. And then the mauling of deputy dewey happens and it appears he's dead i from what i've heard he's he is dead but then we cut to a scene where gail weathers is arriving at the hospital sam richie and tara are walking out and also then there is a corner pulling out a body in a body bag at that point uh, it kind of zooms in. You don't really see anything, um, but Gail is kind of insinuating that obviously is Deputy Dewey. She's crying, and uh, that's where Sam, Richie, and Tara leave uh, the hospital. They get in a car, and they are trying to just get out of Westboro, get away from everything. When Tara says she doesn't have her inhaler, she needs it. She left it at the hospital, and the only backup one she has is at her friend Amber's house. Conveniently enough, Amber's house is Stu's house from the original Scream, and they are having a party. Go figure. Uh, that's how essentially this movie wraps up with uh, Sidney Prescott showing up at the hospital right before they leave, begging them not to go. They do leave, and that's where Sidney and uh, Gail Weathers put a tracking device on the car so they know where they're going at all times. And they go to follow him to Randy's house. When they get to Randy's house, there's a party. They get in. They basically kick everyone out, tell them the party's over. Ghostface Killer's coming. And we get some little shout-outs to the original movie during these scenes um, with some 
uh, more horror movie talk uh, from Mindy and whatnot. But then at that point, uh, the movie abruptly basically comes to an end with the killers being revealed as Amber, which is Tara's friend, and Richie, um, which is um, Sam's boyfriend. And they were looking to basically get revenge and change the narrative and make the stab movie franchise like a bigger and better franchise because it's got so out of hand. So they were bringing it all back and then taking out Sam because her uh, dad was the original killer, Billy Loomis. The movie ends nearly the exact same way the first movie ended with uh, Gail Weathers and Sidney Prescott uh, along with Sam and uh, Tara leaving in a, an ambulance. And we zoom out, we see the ambulance, police cars, news reporter reporting, and that is the end of the movie. Um, this did go over the Entertainment 10, 10 minute mark, but that's okay. I wanted to get this story out. Overall, great movie. I highly recommend it. Um, I'm going to give it probably a four out of five ghost faces. Um, it's probably one of my second favorite out of the series. I think one obviously tops everything, but this one really killed it. And I look forward to going to see it again. I, I do just recommend it is a very gory version of scream i think some of the stabbings and kill scenes in it are pretty horrific compared to pretty to past uh installments of the movie um but this again has been your scream five or scream spoiler review hope you all enjoyed it let's go ahead and transition right on in as a segue to the gram segment the Vibes 2021 season in review. Let's go ahead and get into that now. It is that part of the episode for the Graham segment, which is our main topic of the day, and that is the 2021 Rocky Mountain Vibes season in review. We travel back to November 30th of 2020, where we really at that point did not know what was going to be happening with uh, minor league baseball. The major league or MLB had announced that they were cutting a lot of leagues. They were not going to be funding teams. And the view we all had here in Colorado Springs, it was that because of the 2020 season was canceled due to COVID-19, that we may not see baseball back here in Colorado Springs again. And if it wasn't for the Pioneer League going a different route and being at least part of this uh, partnership with MLB uh, that would fund them, I believe it's for two seasons, that we don't know if we'd have a Rocky Mountain Vibes organization or a baseball team here in Colorado Springs. But let's go ahead and travel back to November 30th, 2020, where the Rocky Mountain Vibes organization put out a media advisory uh, which was a note to the public and to the media that the club would be officially uh, staying with the Pioneer League and being part of what the Pioneer League was putting together as an 18 league with 92 game season beginning on Memorial Day weekend and concluding in early September. The stage was finally set. There was a possible end of light in the tunnel of for COVID-19 
and the cancellation of the 2020, 2020 season. Baseball was coming back, and there was only about six months from this announcement until the first pitch was thrown out. With the announcement coming out, it was also discovered that with no longer being affiliated with the uh, Milwaukee Brewers organization moving forward, they technically can sign or play anyone they want to with this partnership league is what the Rocky Mountain Vibes tweeted out. Um, Now, I'm not quite sure what exactly they meant by they could play anyone they wanted with this partnership league, meaning there was only seven other teams in the league. So I'm not quite sure what they meant by that when they originally posted that. But wasn't much longer after this uh, announcement that season ticket packages and single-game t- uh, tickets were on sale, which was on January 21st of 2021. Um, well, we officially waited the schedule to be released. Now, of course, it was about a couple months until we heard anything, and that was on January 13th of 2021. Um, when we finally got some good news about the Rocky Mountain Vibes 2021 season and that it was going to be that they are officially announcing their manager for the 2021 season, which was local known manager Dave Hajek with the UCCS University of Colorado at Colorado Springs Mountain Lions baseball coach. Now, that remained a like at that very moment, a lot of people questioned would he still be UCCS's baseball coach? Which the answer at that point was yes. He was going to be their uh, coach. It was not the vibe season was not going to interfere with anything to do with the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs Mountain Lions baseball team. But um, again, he was no stranger to the Colorado Springs area. Um, he ended up playing with the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. Uh, back from 1996 to the 97 season. Um, This would be the first big announcement from the Rocky Mountain Vibes as they were staying local for their manager and was bringing in someone with a strong background in baseball. Additionally, the Vibes announced they would be signing Mark Lee as a pitching coach who who had pitched uh, in the MLB for three seasons. And as far as what I saw, he also... Um, had a stint with the Colorado Springs Sky Sox as well in the 1990s. Um, but it was official. The 2021 Pioneer schedule slash Vibe schedule was then released um, two weeks later on January 27th, 2021, where the season would begin here in Colorado Springs against the Grand Junction Rockies on May 22nd, 2021. It was very quiet. Uh, from the Vibes organization from January 27th to March 10th. There wasn't really much of an announcement being made about the team or anything like that. But on March 10th is kind of where I think we saw a little bit of a difference in what the Rocky Mountain Vibes are going to be doing going forward. And that was the announcement that the current general manager, Chris Phillips, would be departuring from the team Uh, to take over the president of Bourbon Brothers Entertainment, a group slash restaurant here in Colorado Springs that uh, hosts a lot of concerts, um, country concerts, things like that. And the new GM was announced as Chris Jones, who was appointed by the owner group, Elmore Sports Group, where is also the president and G, who uh, Chris Jones is the, Also, the president and GM of the Lynchburg Hillcats, which is a low-A affiliate of the Cleveland Indians. 
On March 15th, days later, uh, the Vibes were getting uh, to work to start forming their 2021 team and signed former Chicago Cubs minor league pitcher Nate Sweeney, a right-handed pitcher out of Centennial, Colorado, to a contract. Two days later, they announced infielder from Parker, Colorado, Jordan Steffens. After this signing, the Rocky Mountain Vibes organization hadn't said anything about any other players being signed or really anything about uh, the team for nearly about a month. On April 9th, 2021, uh, just shy of about a month and a half away from the season, the Rocky Mountain Vibes shocked everyone by taking a 180 from what they had previously announced and possibly the biggest change the club could do going forward. Now, this could... This exact change could potentially be why the Rocky Mountain Vibes had a losing season and what exactly that is to expect in the future, which we will talk about next week um, based on the 2022 season rumors and things like that. Um, But they had uh, basically announced, even with uh, everything prior with uh, Dave Hajek and the two players They were magically gone. There was no communication on what happened by the Rocky Mountain Vibes organization or even, for that fact, the um, owners of the Rocky Mountain Vibes. There was just nothing at all that happened, and they released a communication that stated that they were signing a historic partnership uh, with the Acerios de... Monclova, which is the Monclova Steelers in English, um, to host some minor league players from the Steelers this season. The official announcement and comments that I'm going to read are from MILB.com. We are beyond excited to begin a historic and what we all hope to be a very long affiliation and relationship with the uh, Monclova Steelers. Big thanks to Jose Mendez with the Steelers, the El Moro, El Moore Sports Group, and the Great Caller Springs community. Chris Jones, president of the Rocky Mountain Vibes, stated, We as a club always have the vision of growth and supporting our players in their development. With the break of last season and the current one in our development leagues, we were fortunate to find the opportunity to play them in this renowned league partnered with Major League Baseball. Jose Melendez, GM of the Monclova Steelers. This is a tremendous business opportunity and partnership for both the Vibes and the Steelers. This partnership will pave the way for the future clubs to acquire and develop some of the best talent in the world. The Elmore Sports Group and myself are very excited to usher in Jose and the Steelers to Colorado Springs in 2021. That came from Gant. Elmore, Vice President Elmore Sports Group. From the moment I made the decision to buy a Mexican League team, I knew what was needed to maintain it. It was very clear to me t- that to win championships, it was necessarily necessary to develop talent, and that is why we bet and trust in this challenge of exporting our players to such a high-level league such as the Pioneer League. Uh, Gerardo Benavidez Pape, president slash owner of Monclova Steelers. Um, on a, a couple weeks later, I would say, give or take, um, on April 27th, just uh, 
less than a month out from the first pitch, the Pioneer League would come out with a new league rules and format for the 2021 season that did raise some eyebrows uh, when it was first announced. And this is their statement directly from the Pioneer League. Uh, to avoid the excess strain of uh, on our p- pitching staffs, the Pioneer League will not have extra innings, but rather will employ a first-of-its-kind knockout rule that resolves tied games with a head-to-head, sudden-death home run duel, a.k.a. a home run derby for anyone unaware of this. They could not call it a home run derby because that is copyrighted by MLB. Um, but under the rule, each team designates a hitter who receives five pitches with the game determined by the most home runs hit. If still tied after the first knockout round, another hitter is selected for a sudden-death home run face-off until a winner is declared. Uh, they also uh, put into place the designated pitch pinch hitter rule permits a player not having previously entered into the game to pinch hit for an eligible roster player who may then return to his defensive position for the remainder of the game until otherwise substitu- substituted for. The designated pitch pinch hitter is theref- thereafter eligible to re- return to the game. The designated pinch hitter can only be employed once a game by each team. A revised check swing rule will allow a hitter to appeal the base umpire on a check swing strike decision from the home plate umpire, previously only the pitcher or catcher could ask for an appeal. For better coverage of fly balls, check swings, double plays, and other game situations, Pioneer Baseball League games will now feature three-man umping crews rather than the past use of two-man crews. I am thrilled to see these exciting rules changes implemented for this season, said Pioneer League President Michael Shapiro. The Pioneer League is committed to developing ideas that enhance the strategy of the game, protect the safety of our players, and add to the fun and engagement of our fans. We believe this focus will help assure the future of the game among a broader and more diverse audience. The last thing that we ended up seeing prior to the first pitch on May 20th was the official 2021 Rocky Mountain Vibes roster with three players standing out being Augustin Herrera, which was slated as one of Mexico's top pitching prospects, Griffin Barnes, who is the brother of L.A. Dodgers catcher Austin Barnes, and Manny Oloque, whom hit uh, .330 with eight home runs and 53 RBIs with Idaho Falls Chuckers in 2018. On May 22, 2021, the first pitch of the Rocky Mountain Vibes season would be thrown out where the Vibes would win 2-0 over the Grand Junction Rockies, and the rest after that was history. Shortly after the first week of the 2021 season is where this podcast became an official thing and rocked the airwaves of the Rocky Mountain Vibes baseball team. And what a season it was. I Frankly, I enjoyed the season as much as they lost a lot. I enjoyed getting the cover of the season. I enjoyed getting to produce this podcast. And I, I really can't wait for this season coming up because I get to basically put a podcast together for the entire season uh, from day one. I am hoping to get, again, I said it last year, but I am really hoping this year there's a way to get some interviews 
on the podcast from the players, whether it be before the season or during the season, however that may work. And then, of course, just overall, like this, this community is growing by the day. Uh, listenership is also growing by the day. And I appreciate everybody that is here, whether it's for the Rocky Mountain Vibes, whether it's for XFL or anything else that I may bring forward on may bring forward on this podcast. Um, I really do appreciate everything that everyone has put together from the 2021 season. And I look to continue to really dig deep into the 2022 season this year. Um, As far as my schedule goes, I do not have anything planned with Wildland Fire. There will be more coming with that on the um, Gramcast or Smorecast podcast coming at the end of the uh, month. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, But let's go ahead and let's get back into the 2021 season. And the Rocky Mountain vibes would start strong but quickly find a lot of trouble throughout their season only racking in 22 wins and 73 losses overall, earning the worst record in the Pioneer League. The season itself did not come short of some leaders that emerged within the team and really started to shine, which are the following. Jacob Barfield, 21 home runs and responsible for 70 RBIs. Manny Oloke, 10 home runs, driving in 39 runs. Jacob Esperanza, um, driving in 8 runs with uh, or hitting eight home runs, driving in 47 runs, and Sergio Macias, eight home runs, driving in 30 runs. On the mound, we saw the most innings pitched by John Cora uh, coming in, in at, a, at 90.2 innings pitched, giving up 121 hits, 95 runs, 34 walks, with 94 strikeouts with a 2-8 and eight record. When we look in the winning column, five pitchers had a total of two wins each, two in wins each, and then nine pitchers had one uh, win each. Overall, the pitching staff, in my opinion, needed the most help this season, but that didn't stop some pitchers that ended up improving massively in winter ball this um, past couple months uh, from, I believe it was October to December, um, where essentially the Monclova Steelers ended up uh, winning the winter league championship and they dominated this uh this overall perspective in mexico and as of right now we have um five players whom officially have made mlb rosters the first one was um augustin herrera a pitcher he went from the rocky mountain vibes uh, essentially and on Clovis Steelers Winter League to the Kansas City Royals. I am not quite sure if that deal still happened. If not heard anything else since that was announced, nor have I seen any pictures of him signing the contract, um, unlike the remaining ones. We also had uh, pitcher Francisco Romero signing with the Atlanta Braves. Pitcher Jose Gomez Beltran uh, signing with the New York Mets. And then, of course, Angel Camacho signing with the and pitcher signing with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and then of course, first baseman Carlos Trado Trado signing with the Pittsburgh Pirates as well. 
good luck to all of them. Uh, Carlos Manu were a hell of a first baseman. And um, when Jacob Barfield wasn't out there, Carlos was taking over that first base position and doing an amazing job. Um, I believe Carlos played quite a bit in the winter league uh, for Monclova and rocked it. So good luck to them. We will definitely miss all these players here in College Springs in the 2022 season. But this is exactly why these type of leagues, these type of things are needed. This is what I've said all along about like the XFL to advance players to the NFL or vice versa. And then, of course, you have the Rocky Mountain Vibes and Monclova uh, partnership that is getting players up to an MLB uh, level. So congratulations to all of them. I do feel that, um, like I said, the overall process of the 2021 season I felt was a great one. Um, I have addressed my concerns with being a fan, a season ticket holder of how disappointed I kind of was with the overall process for the season tickets. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, we are looking forward to the 2022 season and seeing what players we get. We still are unaware if we are getting Monclova's team back or being their partnership for the 2022 season. Um, and there's a lot of uh, questions being asked about the other teams in the Pioneer League as well of what they will be doing because for the 2021 season, Everyone had signed their players, either being free agents, um, upcoming baseball players, things like that. They did not have a rookie league like the uh, Rocky Mountain Vibes did, where these kids were between the ages of 15 and I think 27 was the oldest. And 90% of the team was under the age of 18. So that, that essentially brings together some issues that I felt was with the 2021 season. I feel that a lot of the other Pioneer League teams felt bad uh, for playing the vibes. Uh, I, I know on numerous occasions I had spoken to other players, other um, coaching staff, and anytime I had spoken to them, they they thought the vibes players were going to be what they ended up becoming in the Winter League, which was a great team, but they were just – not any kind of competition within the Pioneer League. And frankly, there was sometimes that the vibes were getting just handed um, handed to them their, their performance. And that was a, a major, like, discredit for the Rocky Mountain vibes and for Monclova is – that it just it did not work well of what they did um, playing a lot of players that had had even major league experience or triple A experience, and you had little kids that were playing that in America, uh, children that are aged fifteen to seventeen or eighteen even are in high school and they're playing high school baseball. Uh, you can't compare the two. Um, even with college baseball as well, some of those players play until they're 21, 22, 23, and then go into like minor league baseball. So there is a huge disadvantage to the Rocky Mountain Vibes organization. I really hope that despite the fact Monclova felt that it was successful partnership, they did get a lot of great talent 
that eventually excelled in Mexico, that this partnership is not anything that like necessarily we want to see unless unless the Pioneer League comes together with the uh, Mexico Baseball League and promotes basically being a minor league uh, league essentially for the Mexico MLB uh, organization. That would be the biggest thing. And then the competition would be kind of across the board. I'd be all for that, and it would be fun to see. Um, I do not believe that is what's happening, but we do have two new teams coming into the uh, Pioneer League with the NoCo Owls and then the Ridge Run baseball team. Um, still, when I'm recording this, they have not announced yet the team. Um, that will be coming on the next episode. Uh, but essentially, again, this is something that I feel is something they've got to essentially do to bring the competition level to Collar Springs, to bring more fans out, especially with my conversation I had with the dynamic ticket pricing and Vibes organization looking to potentially get up to $100 a seat on some of those prime nights. You can't have high school league baseball playing major league baseball and expect there not to be a domination from the MLB teams. And it kind of is comparing it to that. Now, I know a lot of players in the Pioneer League have never stepped foot in a major league park or played, but when you are comparing the age level, the experience level of what the Rocky Mountain Vibes teams were was in 2021 compared to the rest of the league, there it was just unmatched. And unfortunately, that's what exactly we saw with the Vibes only getting 22 wins and 73 losses. Now, of course, I think a couple of those wins, I, I'm not 100% sure. I'll have to go back and look at the stats, but I think three or four of those wins came off the knockout round, which, in my opinion, does not really satisfy me as being a clear-cut win, um, especially for this league, essentially. So my overall, again, my overall thoughts on the season was I feel that for what they had, they did pretty pretty well with what they had. They they kept a team running. A few players got shipped up to um, Monclova, the big leagues in Mexico. A lot of players got shipped down to their academy, which is like their lowest league and farm system. And then some of those got kind of pushed out of the league altogether. Um, but yeah, it, it just seems like the overall process with the uh, Rocky Mountain Vibes in this Monclova contract is just getting talent that essentially can stay focused and stay competitive with the other teams if we're going to go into another season with the same type of team that we got um, in the 2021 season. And it still remains the question. I am I am trying to do some digging. Once I get the story, I will be bringing it up on the podcast. I am still wanting the story of what exactly happened to the Rocky Mountain Vibes team that we were initiating and signing prior to the Monclova contract. Now, this has always been a thought process in my head and just the overall experience that I've wanted to know is 
would we have been a competitive team had we gone the other routes and had the UCCS coach Dave be our manager, um, the pitching staff from UCCS, and could we have opened up the door for leading UCCS students, baseball players, to the Rocky Mountain Vibes and really got something going that would have been a complete different transition to where we came from with the Monclova contract. Um, it just it bothers me that the Rocky Mountain Vibes organization throughout time has been so silent with what they do. Um, when you look at like around the Pioneer League or whatnot, the uh, Great Falls Voyagers are magnificent on announcing, keeping players, re-signing players, showing the talent they're signing, and giving a background where the Rocky Mountain Vibes organization, after 2019 with leaving the Milwaukee Brewers, we kind of fell off on giving like this real kind of fan interaction of introducing our players. The uh, Rocky Mountain Vibes of 2021 with the Monclova partnership, we knew that, again, the roster, not even like a month out from the first pitch and only knew of three players really had names to them. Now, of course, the other players on that roster all made names for themselves. Clearly, we can tell that with the five players that have signed to the Major League Baseball organizations or the clubs or whatnot, but it it still makes me wonder what kind of quality baseball we would have seen for the 2021 season if the Vibes would have not gone this Monclova contract position, and it, it still remains to question or remains to be seen of what exactly they are looking for and what they get out of this uh this contract or partnership for going forward because we still I I still would like to know what the process was with this how this like deal or partnership went down how exactly that essentially worked and just based on the ownership of the Rocky Mountain Vibes, the Elmore Sports Group, LTD, they also own the um, Idaho Falls Chuckers. So, like, it kind of makes no sense to me when you have one team, which is Rocky Mountain Vibes, with this Monclova contract and these players that are super, super young, but then the same exact organization or uh, owner's group owns the Chuckers. And you have a completely different team that are experienced baseball players. Uh, it kind of just goes back to, like I said, uh, most of these teams felt bad for them. But you have two teams under the Elmore Sports Group. And one of them is like a rookie league for or minor league for a baseball team that is in Mexico and has a completely different outlook of how American baseball works and what our education system is and things like that with age range and maturity. And I mean, the list goes on and not saying none of these players didn't have that, but you can't sit there and tell me that 
if the Rocky Mountain Vibes would have had a, the same level of experience and team as the Chuckers, as uh, the Paddleheads, you name it, you're not telling me that we would have had a competitive team compared to a team that won 22 games in over a 95-game season. It's just I, I can't put the numbers together, or two and two together, to really understand where this came from or where this partnership came from. And do I get, want the partnership to stay? Of course. I, I would love to see these players develop and actually get to follow them as time goes on. But we all know if we're going to continue to get like lower-level baseball in Colorado Springs that does not match the rest of the Pioneer League – I don't even know what like that is, what they expect fans to do because it's not going to draw more fans in. And I, I'll tell you straight up, in the 2021 season, I had so many extra tickets left over for my season ticket um, like package because a lot of times we either didn't go to games. I was gone for those almost three weeks for the um, Wildland Fire uh thing I was doing in Wyoming and I could not get even family friends co-workers I couldn't get anyone to go to a game and it wasn't because of COVID it was literally the fact that they were so bad that no one wanted to even go to the games and sit through the misery of the Rocky Mountain vibes losing and again I I still to this day I felt so bad for those kids and for those players, because some of them were not kids, but most of them were, that they had to sit through and suffer through getting murdered in a league that is not designed for high school level kids. And and, and shame on you to to Elmore Sports Group and to the Rocky Mountain Vibes organization. I'll I'll say it right now, and I think a lot of other fans have said this all along. Shame on you for putting these kids in that position and shame on Monclova for not really like looking at what they were getting themselves into with this partnership. Now, I honestly, I don't think Monclova cares one bit about what the Rocky mountain vibes are doing. I don't care. I, I don't think they care about the win or loss record. What I do think is it is giving their rookies and their prospects essentially more time to develop to play baseball and then I mean we look at it they they brought them in for this winter league and they shined they were excellent but they were also again as I keep telling people which people are not understanding oh the vibes are going to be awesome next year the vibes are going to be awesome next year if this team comes back they're still playing the same age group of kids and prospects in Mexico during this winter league it's not like the Monclova Steelers during this winter league was playing MLB quality baseball players it, it just was not happening and I can see that from other teams uh, in the the Mexico's North League that uh, the Steelers played throughout the winter league are also having players sign with major league baseball clubs so you cannot for a second convince me otherwise that this is not the plan of Monclova to have a winning club in 
the United States or to have a winning club when it comes to the overall partnership with the Rocky Mountain Vibes. Because if they did, they would not do this project or this whatever experiment again. And maybe even the Mexico League would reach out to the rest of the Pioneer League and start getting these teams as their farm teams. It would make perfect sense. You have 10 teams, and I'm pretty sure there's more than 10 teams in Mexico that could have a farm system here in America close to the, basically not necessarily the border, because obviously Texas, New Mexico are lower than us, and Colorado northbound is our teams. But it's, it's something that could develop all these players, give them more places to play, and not just have one team in the entire Pioneer League that is dictated by these uh, contracts or partnerships to bring children, as I said, children here. They're amazing humans. They're amazing kids that I think have bright futures ahead of them. Cannot phantom on clearly saying it again that the players are not the problem. Their experience may be. But I don't even really know that because a lot of them, I don't know their full background. I don't know how long they've been playing baseball. can't be that long when someone are 15 and 16 years old. But they could still be playing since they were like four or five years old. It's the fact that maturity level, we saw a lot of that as well during the end of the season where the maturity level dropped massively and there was fights, there was brawls, there was players getting upset at other players. And frankly, it was bad enough that some of your older talent that were 25 to 27 years old were getting into fights with the other teams because they were standing up for the little kids as they they were putting it. And it's pathetic when you have a league that is like that. And I, I... I again I'm a fan I I love baseball I love this team and I will follow them but to bring the amount of competition that needs to be brought to Color Springs that we've had for many and many and many of years despite the fact the Color Springs Sky Sox were probably some of the worst teams in the the Pacific Coast League the PCL um, over the years it still didn't change the factor that we were connected to a major league baseball team that was 67, 68 miles up the highway with the Colorado Rockies. And we constantly got to see major league baseball players come down to Colorado Springs and play weeks on end to farm and to rehab injuries. And that would draw so much attendance up where that is not happening nowadays. It is not going to happen. And frankly, I, as a fan for the 2021 season, I had said this the full season since the day one of creating this podcast, and I said it every time at the stadium to other fans, to even staff members and players. Why in the world, if you had a partnership with the Rocky Mountain Vibes and Monclova, did you not bring down the MLB players that were playing for Monclova? You had Eric Young Jr., who clearly used to be with the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, was with the Rocky Mountain, or sorry, with the Colorado Rockies organization, 
and played most of his career in Colorado Springs. He is very known. He plays for the Monclova, or he may not now. I, I still haven't got clarification if he actually uh, is still playing with them. Um, but you had uh, Barton Cologne, who was pitching for Monclova. He could have easily done appearances down here, got those kids hyped up, and won us some games, and got some feedback and some credibility to the Rocky Mountain vibes in this Monclova partnership, but that did not happen. None of that happened. Eric Young Jr. could have easily, easily been one of the players that came here, played for the the vibes, and kind of showed some leadership to the Rocky Mountain Vibes team and really built on showing essentially the fans, the community, and everything like that, that this partnership will work and we'll bring down players from Monclova's professional team to star here or even rehab here like AAA does here in America with MLB. So that is the greatest segue I can ever have, and it could not work out more perfect because on the who, what, when, where, why, and how segment today I am featuring one and none other than Eric Young Sr., who is Eric Young Jr.'s dad, and he is a major league baseball player. He used to play for the Colorado Rockies um, from his essentially his uh, career was from 1989 to 2006. He first got drafted by the Los Angeles Dodgers. He was then traded to the Colorado Rockies, where he became a pretty popular player. He also played with the Colorado Springs Sky Sox as well. Um, he did a stint with the following teams, the Cubs, the Brewers, the Giants, the Rangers, the Padres, and then again, the Rangers, where he left off. Um, he then ended up retiring as a active baseball player uh, and coached for the Houston Astros as a running instructor. Uh, after that season, he was signed by the Diamondbacks as their first base coach. Uh, that season, uh, he was let go from the Diamondbacks and then hired as the Colorado Rockies' first base coach, where he would return to Colorado. And then, um, after that uh, spill with the Rockies, and they I think that was the last time they changed their coaching staff altogether, Eric Young Sr. then signed with the Atlanta Braves, becoming their first base coach where he has been ever since. Um, he is now a World Series champion after the 2021 MLB season with the Atlanta Braves. That is so awesome. I followed Eric Young Jr. since he was a Rocky, so this is quite exciting to see him get a uh, championship, and it's cool to know that his son is within the Monclova Steelers organization. It's almost like come full circle, uh, per se. Um, but I, I want to essentially why I brought uh, Eric Young Jr. Sr. to the table is to really showcase some of the greats that came through Colorado Springs and show exactly what talent and opportunities are available for any player that steps foot at UC Health Park, which used to be Security Service Field, and really know that we have already had five players, and I, I really hope the best for all five of those players that have signed with these MLB organizations, that they really, truly get to be 
in the major leagues and get to have that experience. They're very young kids, and they deserve so much more than what they're at. They are great players, and um, again, as I said, Carlos Trujillo, however you say his last name, shout out to you because I, I feel you are going to be a star first baseman if you keep up with that position. And again, it, it just shows the talent that's come through here. Color Springs has had some major history with overall um, actual players and stuff like that. And next week, I, I will feature another player who started his career at the Colorado Springs Sky Sox with the uh, Colorado Rockies organization in the 90s, and he ended up pitching in a World Series game with the Boston Red Sox, and he became a family friend of my uh, grandma who raised me and took me to these games. So that'll be the next who, what, when, where, why, and how. But of course, let's go into the how. Eric Young Sr. made his way through the minor leagues and major league, ultimately showing in the end that as long as you stay focused, you can make it to one of the greatest uh, or like organizations and win a championship, a World Series championship, and really show, become a first base coach. Um, a lot of um, first base coaches that I've talked to over the years, um, Deron Davis, who was the uh, – Ogden Raptors first base coach this year. I made a pretty good friendship with him throughout the season, talking to him on Instagram and then the two series that the uh, Rocky Mountain Vibes played. And then there was uh, for the uh, Grand Junction Rockies organization, uh, Jordan Pacheco, who also came from uh, through the Colorado Springs system with the Sky Sox and the Rockies organization. First base coaches are... And maybe even third. I, I don't really know a lot of major third base coach. Obviously, the Braves have um, some great ones. But when you look at first base, first base is obviously the first place you're going to go once you hit a ball if you get a single. Um, those coaches mean a lot to an organization. And I feel that Eric Young Sr. has demonstrated this over the years um, between Houston, Diamondbacks, Rockies and the Braves now and again it just it goes full circle with me as a sports fan that a lot of these players of why I became a Braves fan a lot of the Rockies players when I was little and was a Rockies fan when they became a organization a lot of the players went to the Braves and sure enough again Eric Young Sr., one of my fa- one of my favorite players growing up, has ended back up with the Braves organization as a first base coach, winning a World Series championship this past year. So, mad kudos out to Eric Young Sr. I appreciate everything that he has brought to the Braves organization, the Rockies, the Carter Springs Sky Sox, and to any future coaching positions he may have or essentially what his son does in the future, whether it's continue his uh, career in Monclova or potentially retires from active playing and moves over to a coaching role. I think he'll do just as uh, great as his uh, dad did and or has done. So, again, this has been the who, what, when, where, why, and how segment featuring anything, anyone, anywhere, anytime, any place 
And to, on today's was the great Colorado Rockies legend, Eric Young Sr. So thank you again. This has been another great episode of the Graham Slam podcast. Look forward to next week on next week's episode. Uh, just to give you a preview, I will be going over the Rocky Mountain Vibes 2022 season preview. That will be running over the schedule. And then any news that may come out in the next couple uh, next week or so, I'm not expecting anything at all to come out of the Rocky Mountain Vibes organization this week. Um, Obviously, um, this past Thursday, or no, past Wednesday, uh, they had released the final times of each home game. Uh, That was after the Glaciers were announced. So hopefully maybe this is in the right direction of getting some clarification on what is going on this upcoming season. And then I'll talk about more on the schedule as well next uh, week and go over that because there is some things with the time frames that is a little different this season um, that I did note on the uh, home schedule release that I did. I, I posted on Instagram like a uh, custom graphic with all the home games and times uh, and noted that this is a first year Dating back very long time ago, even prior with the Sky Sox, that the organization for the Rocky Mountain Vibes has not had um, basically all night games, and that's what is classified in this schedule. There's no day games, there's no Monday afternoon games like there was, and there's no Sunday afternoon or Sunday day games. Uh, same with uh, Monday, they are all. Uh, night games, the earliest that a game would start is 4.30. Um, so we'll get into that next week. But this has been the Gram Slam Podcast, and I am your host, Brandon Anderson. Goodbye, everyone. You want some more? You've got some more.